God. Well, you can remain standing. And uh, we're so blessed to have Jason Adair with us. And uh, I know you're going to really get ministered to by the word of the Lord that he brings forth tonight. You guys are going to be blessed. We love our youth. Love you guys. I'm so glad you guys are in service tonight. And um, let's just welcome Jason with a round of applause. Amen. Come on, tell Pastor Karen that we love her and she's doing a great job in the absence of her husband. Can you just tell her that she's doing a great job? Hallelujah. You may be seated. Good to see you tonight. I had the privilege of going down last night to Anchorage and preaching, and uh, that was good. The church is the hope of the world, and... KC knows how to do church. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, so there you have it. <laughs> well, the first thing we want to do, um, obviously, is uh, I want to thank you for your giving up until tonight and your attendance here. It's my last night. I Actually, this will be my last time to, to minister here, and then I fly down to California and finish up at KC Antioch, and then I'll get to go home and see my wife and babies. So um, it's bittersweet, but I've had fun. And everybody who knows me knows that I've traveled the world, and I contend all over the world that Alaska is the most beautiful place I've ever been to in my whole life. And I mean that, and I have pastor friends that are probably watching on the internet right now, and uh, they know that I say that everywhere I go. I love Alaska. There's something about Alaska, it is just, it's mesmerizing to me. And I looked out my window yesterday at the cabin, and there was a moose bedded down outside the window. I mean, you just don't, you can't beat that. You don't get that in Alabama, all right? <laughs> and then I looked out the front window today, and there was a great big, one of the largest bald eagles I've ever seen right in the top of a tree. I got a picture of it and everything. And sent it to all my friends and said, what are y'all doing in Alabama? We still fighting mosquitoes down there. Y'all got bald eagles and moose everywhere. It's like, my God. But y'all do have mosquitoes. Yeah. It's the state bird? Is that what? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> our old, okay, our, our old wives' tales in Alabama tells us, you know, we need a good cold winter to kill out all the bugs and the mosquitoes. And I say... Wonder why that don't work up in Alaska when it's 30 below. <laughs> so I don't think that works. <laughs> well, they're worse. Actually, in Alabama, we say worser. It's worser this year than it was last year. <laughs> Take your Bibles. First thing we will look at, Romans chapter 8, if you would. I know you've got my keynote, but I'm, I'm switching it up. We'll go there after this. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 26. <laughs> Here. <laughs> Thank God the guy running the, the, can't, the uh, computer is smiling. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the good news is, for me, I don't know about you, but the good news is that I'm coming back in March to do a youth conference for IG. So we are excited about that, and I'm going to try to bring a friend or two with me maybe on that trip. 
Y'all aren't going to have to pay for that. I'm going to bring them on my own. But anyway, there you have it. Romans chapter 8, verse number 26. Look at that verse. It is absolutely amazing. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. King James says, the Spirit helps our infirmities, weaknesses, infirmities. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. He tells us here what our weaknesses or our infirmities stem from. Our weaknesses or our infirmities stem from the fact that we do not know what we should pray for for as we ought but the spirit himself can you say the spirit himself <laughs> the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered verse 27 now he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28 cannot be taken out of context. You just can't throw verse 28 around. There has to be context for verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose for whom he foreknow, he goes on. And I, I've been places where people just come up, someone had a tragedy in their life, and we just throw Romans 8, 28 at them like, it's the magic bullet. Well, you know, brother, God's going to work everything to your good. The thing that precedes in the context of God working all things to your good is the context of prayer. Prayer is what Holy Spirit uses. He uses prayer to have everything work together for good in your life. If you're not praying, everything's probably not going to work out good in your life. Now, the scripture says all things work all things. If everything's not working out, most likely if you deduce it, if you will, you will find that the areas that are not working out for good are the areas that you have neglected in prayer. It's just the context of the scripture. It's just the context of the text. You can't just take Romans 8, 28 out and throw it around like it's all isolated by itself. It's not isolated by itself. It is preceded by prayer. Holy Spirit-led prayer. Say that with me. Holy Spirit-led prayer. It's wonderful to have a list. It's wonderful to have your grocery list of prayer and praying everything that you want. But the best kind of prayer, the best kind of prayer in all all of prayerdom, <laughs> do you like that, is spirit-led prayer. Getting into prayer, allowing Holy Spirit to move on you, and you forget your list. And you begin to pray what's on the heart of God. When you pray what's on the heart of God, whatever's on your heart, he'll take care of. But it's the things that we neglect. That's where we get into trouble. That's where everything don't work out together for good. Now, the bottom line is this, that God is wonderful. God is a good God. He's a good father. He's a good daddy. He is a good provider. You're awful quiet, but it's true. He's a good father. He's a good father. He is a good God. I used to be in Oral Roberts meetings a whole lot back in the 90s and the early 2000s. And he would come out on the platform and he would lean over that podium at Oral Roberts University at the Maybe Center. And some of you probably saw him from back in the days of his, his great tent revivals. But he would come out. He was an Indian, an Oklahoman Indian. And he would come out and he would lean over that pulpit and he would throw his finger around like this. And it looked like he was going to hit you in the face, even though you were sitting 20 rows back. And he would yell, something good is going to happen to you today. And see, he didn't get that response at first. 
So he would say it again. Something good is going to happen to you today. And then somebody would go, well, praise God. And then he would say, something good is going to happen to you today. And a whole lot more folks would say, glory to God. Hallelujah. And then he would say, something good is going to happen to you today. And then the place started getting with it going, whoa, something good's going to happen to me today. Oh, glory to God. Something good's going to happen to me today. To me, me, me. It's all right for something good to happen to you. But he's talking about something good going to happen to me. That's, that's different. There's, that's a big difference when something good is happening happening and something good is happening to you and all of a sudden he would say again something good is going to happen to you today and the place would go wow because people believe something good was going to happen to them god has good things for you he don't just have good things for preachers and ministers he has he has good things for his children as a matter of fact in psalm 119 the scripture says the lord is good and only does good the lord is good and only does good well you can only give what you've got and if the lord is good he only has good to give i was actually preaching in bowling green kentucky i know pastor daniel's preached there before and uh, at the same church i was preaching there one night and i was preaching on the goodness of god because the psalmist david said i would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, the goodness of God just don't appear out of nowhere. David said, I would have fainted, but I chose to believe to see the goodness of the Lord. In other words, what you're looking at, whatever circumstances in front of you, you can choose to either see the terribleness, the blackness, the, the, the degradation, the, the situation being bad, or you can do like David and I choose to see the goodness of the Lord. You can give in to it's so bad. This is about to explode. It's about to blow up. It's going to be bad. Or you can choose to say, whoa, look at the miracle God's going to have to bring in my life to fix this one. <laughs> look at what God's going to have to do to bring me out of this situation. That's choosing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Anybody can see death, depravity, darkness. Anybody can choose to see that. But it takes a man or a woman of God. It takes a man or a woman of faith to say in the middle of all the bad in the middle of all the ugly in the middle of all the circumstances that don't look favorable in my life I choose something different as a matter of fact if you have the book Dr. Morocco actually calls it the invisible war choosing to see what you cannot see well, that sounds freaky <laughs> it is it's the fight of faith. Now, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses or in our infirmities. So now we can switch over to that keynote that I, so, I spent so much time putting together for you all. I just hope everything's spelled right. And if it's not, I blame Mike. <laughs> and there he is with his thumb up. So... I want to talk to you about Holy Spirit, our helper. Holy Spirit, our helper. Now, here's the statement. I made this statement the last time I was here. I'll make it again. What most people want is a doer, but what we got was a helper. What we want to do is come to God and say, God, just do it. Well, he didn't give us a doer. He gave us a helper. As a matter of fact, there's about a dozen times when Jesus calls Holy Spirit our helper. In other words, the word help literally means, one translation of the word help means to take hold together with against. Did you get that? To take, 
did you get that? Now, I know I'm in Alaska, but down in Alabama, if I ask a question, most of the time we get a response, all right? So help me here tonight. <laughs> Don't just go. <laughs> Duh, I don't know. To take hold together with against. What does it mean? It means if I'm going to move this keyboard and I can't move it by myself, I would ask Brother Micah, come up and help me. Help me do what? Take hold together with me against what needs to be moved. Now, what kind of help would I be if Micah came up and began to manhandle this thing and I put my hands in my pocket and started whistling, you know, the theme to Andy Griffith? (laughs) He'd probably look at me and say, help! You called me to help, now help! What does it mean? It means to take hold together with, to take hold together with. When Holy Spirit comes to be our helper, what he comes to do is take hold together with you against something he's not just coming to do it he's coming to help you do it now likewise the spirit also helps our weaknesses king james says infirmities greek language is the word infirmities next slide likewise the spirit helps our infirmities we know not what we should pray for as we ought this is the king james version infirmities go to the next slide please this word infirmities is the word asthenios Say asthenios. That's a good Greek word. When you leave tonight, you're going to be like a Greek scholar. Because I'm going to give you seven of them. <laughs> you didn't know you was in Bible school, but I'm a Bible school teacher, and I just can't get it out. It's in my blood. I can't help myself. I can't help myself. Asthenios, it's a generic word that embraces all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. As a matter of fact, the all kinds of sicknesses and diseases that this word asthenios encompasses is all sicknesses and all diseases. In the same way that if someone has a headache, we say they're sick. If someone has cancer, we say they're sick. If someone has a problem with uh, whatever their urinary tract infection they're sick it's all sick so it's amazing to me that we use the word sick whether somebody is dying of cancer or if they have a tummy ache it's a generic word that encompasses everything in the same way this word in Romans eight twenty six, infirmities is that word it is the word asthenios say it again Asthenios. That's wonderful. You're doing great. Go to the next slide. Because Jesus healed five categories of sicknesses and diseases while he was on the earth. Why did he heal five categories of sicknesses and diseases while he was on the earth? Because that's all of them. He healed them all. Jesus took care of all of the asthenios that people were dealing with in the earth now let's look at them the next slide please this is the first one that jesus dealt with jesus dealt with this word gnosis say gnosis that's wonderful isn't it the word gnosis means this it is a terminal condition for which there is no natural cure jesus would heal an aids patient when they came to him We're talking about rare forms of cancer. We're talking about AIDS. We're talking about a terminal condition that nobody has a cure for. Jesus walked up to people that were incurable and healed them of their disease. Can somebody say amen? 
So what does it mean? It means if Jesus healed gnosis then, incurable, uncurable diseases then, he still heals gnosis, uncurable, incurable diseases tonight. Can you get excited about that? Because if you know somebody that has an issue that is terminal and the doctors say, we don't know what to do, there's no hope for you, there's no help for you, there's always hope because there's always help. His name is Jesus and he comes to us by the power of the Holy Ghost. This gnosis is curable. Write it down, please. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. The Bible said that Jesus went throughout the villages and the synagogues and he healed all manner of sicknesses and diseases among the people. Jesus' ministry was notable for three things. Jesus was a preacher, Jesus was a teacher, and Jesus was a healer. That's the three aspects of Jesus' ministry. He would preach until he could teach, and then when he got finished teaching, he would heal the people because he had exhorted them to a place of faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, Jesus healed the sickness that... In other words, he went to the villages and the synagogues and he found people that had no cure for their diseases and he healed them. Isn't that wonderful? You have never met a gnosis. You have never met a sickness or a disease that is incurable. Just because there's no natural cure doesn't mean there is no cure. That's not all of you. Just because there's no natural cure does not mean there is not a cure. Just because doctors can't take care of it doesn't mean that there's no one that can take care of it. Jesus healed all manner of sicknesses and diseases among the people. He took care of incurable incurable diseases. If you have a family member, come on, I just felt the Holy Ghost quicken me. If you've got a family member that's been diagnosed, maybe somebody watching over the internet, you've, been, you've got a family member diagnosed with some incurable disease, there's help. And because there's help, there's hope. Who is it? It's Jesus. Come on, the old church used to talk about him being Dr. Jesus. I think we ought to talk about him that, about that a little bit more. No, he didn't go to Harvard. He's not a doctor like that. But he is the great physician. He is the balm that is in Gilead. He is a healer of incurable diseases. I preached a great revival that lasted for 54 weeks in Rapid City, South Dakota. And uh, I was 20 years old, 21 years old. And I preached for 54 weeks. And in the, in the meeting there at the Dove Christian Center in Rapid City, South Dakota, church is still there, pastor's still there, the whole nine yards. In that revival meeting, there we were in Rapid City, South Dakota, there was a man from Minneapolis that had been diagnosed with AIDS. He had full-blown AIDS, and they were sending him to Denver. To, to go through some treatment as best that he could. And on his way from Minneapolis to Denver, he stopped in Rapid City. And some of the people in Rapid City that we knew that were part of the revival worked at a hotel. And the man was very ill. The man was in terrible condition. And he was in the hotel room and he couldn't leave. He was in a very weakened condition. And the people that worked there, like the maids and the people, the attendants at the hotel said... You know, there's a revival going on over here. If you can rest during the day and go to that revival tomorrow night, 
we want you to be prayed for by the ministry team and we believe God's going to heal you and he said there is no healing for me I just left the Mayo Clinic in Minneapolis they're sending me to Denver because of of another thing they've got down there some other kind of medication or something to help me to ease my my pain and to ease whatever I'm going through but if you want to take me, I'll go, but you'll have to drive me. They brought the man to the service the next night. I'll never forget it. It was a Thursday night. I got up in the pulpit. I began to preach, and the Holy Ghost began to move, and the gifts of healing and the working of miracles came into operation. I sensed it just like I sensed myself when I put on my shirt and this sweater tonight. I knew that the gifts of the Spirit came in operation, and I began to call people down with sicknesses and diseases. I had no idea that this man was standing there, that he had full-blown AIDS. I had no idea. I didn't know who he was there were a lot of people in the crowd that night and I went through the crowd the pastor and I and we laid hands on him the power of God came on the man he was a sinner if you know what I mean he has AIDS he was not living a righteous life we didn't give an altar call for salvation we didn't ask him for anything we just laid hands on him the power of God came on him knocked him in the ground and he got back up and said to the attendant from the hotel that brought him something happened to me something Something happened to me when I went on the ground something happened to me I've never been anything like this he'd been to other uh, religious type church mainline denominational churches you know but he said nothing like that's ever happened to me before so he gets up out of the floor and he goes back to the hotel and he goes to Denver well we didn't see him for two or three weeks because he lives in Minneapolis but he showed up one night when he showed up in the service that night the the man from the hotel said that's, that's so-and-so. That's the guy we prayed for that had AIDS. And the man came up, and he had with him the paper from the Denver Clinic that said, I had AIDS in Minneapolis. I did not have AIDS when I got to Denver. There was only one stop between Minneapolis and Denver that the man made and that was in Rapid City and I don't think the city healed him there was an event that happened what happened he came in contact with the healer he came in contact with the one who can take care of terminal conditions for which there is no natural cure if you have a family member that has an incurable disease you need to believe God for them and introduce them and tell them the fact that there is nothing impossible with God with men it is impossible but with God all things are possible the second type of thing that Jesus healed is found right there in Mark uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23 it's the next word it's the word you're going the wrong way go the other way other way you're going <laughs> ah, go the other way it's the word Malachion isn't that a beautiful word Malachion it's really not <laughs> The word malachion means a disease which attacks the muscles, the nerves, and the bones. This is crippling arthritis. It's debilitating arthritis. It's something that gets into your, into your bones and gets into your muscles. I remember preaching in, in uh, Arkansas one time, and there was a young man that came that was on a wheelchair. And on the wheelchair, the wheelchair had to be laid almost flat because the boy, the young man, had crippling arthritis. The heel of his feet were bent backwards his bones had bent so much that the heels of his feet were touching the backs of his knees his ankles his his feet 
and his bones were crippled up. His hands were turned to when his hands turned, his palms and his fingertips would almost touch his elbows. He was so debilitated. That's what this is. It's a malachion. But in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 23, Jesus healed that disease among the people in those days, and he heals those diseases in, uh, in our presence and in the church services where we are today. And I'm here to tell you that that young man in Arkansas that night, the Holy Ghost told me to sing, and I'm glad he hadn't told me to sing to you tonight because you would need a healing when, a, when you got done from listening to me sing because I am not a singer. But the Holy Ghost said, sing. And I obeyed the Holy Ghost. I asked the woman to come up. She played the piano like a like an old Western saloon. You remember those old Western saloons? They's all up on the high keys, bang, 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 beating around. And I'm singing. And in the middle of my singing, I heard something. My eyes were closed because I didn't want to look at the people's faces because I, I didn't want to see I didn't want to see how much pain I was putting them in. And that young man was sitting in the in the wheelchair in the middle aisle. There was only two sections. And he was right in the middle aisle. And as I was singing, oh, the glory of his presence. We, your people, give you reverence. So rise to your rest and be blessed by our praise as we glory in your embrace. As your presence now fills this place. Somewhere around the second or third round of me singing that, we heard a noise in the sanctuary as the people of God began to stand and worship with me. I'm pretty sure it was because my singing was so bad, but I think it might have been because the Holy Ghost began to move. And in the middle of that, we heard a sound. Snap. Snap. The seat belts on that young man that kept him in his seat began to come undone. And when we got finished singing that song, after about 20 minutes, that young man whose ankles and whose heels of his feet had come up, had bent around and touched the back of his knees, was standing on his own two legs with his two straightened arms stretched out in the presence of God. It is the greatest miracle besides salvation I've ever seen in my 20-some years of ministry. It's the greatest miracle I've ever seen. The young man could hardly breathe. He was dying. The doctor said he would be dead by the time he reaches his 19th or 20th birthday. He was already 16 or 17 by that time. His bones were turned in, but God took care of a Malachion. Jesus healed them then when he walked the seas of Galilee, the seashore of Galilee, and he's taking care of Malachion tonight. This disease that attacks muscles and nerves and bones can be healed in Jesus' name. Come on, right where you are. If you've got something like this that's affecting your muscles, your nerves, your bones, you ought to just reach a hand up to the Lord and say, I receive my help tonight from the Holy Ghost. I receive healing in Jesus' name. I receive healing from arthritis the atmosphere even now is charged with the same power that did it then why because he confirms his word with signs following amen i gotta hurry <laughs> the third thing jesus healed the next slide would be the next thing that jesus healed was a disease or sickness called cacos say cacos this is what happened in Matthew 15, 22, the Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus and said, My daughter is grievously vexed of a devil. That word grievously vexed is the word kakos. 
there is something that has attached to my daughter that has attacked my daughter and made her mentally confused and mentally ill and do you know what Jesus said I will come heal her and Jesus healed that young lady that was mentally confused because of this demonic attack that had grievously vexed her in her mind now, every, every problem in, in people's minds are not always demons, and it doesn't mean you're demon-possessed. But here's what I do know. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 says that if the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell on the inside of you, he'll quicken your mortal body. He'll quicken. That word quicken means give life. It's where John G. Lake said there's lightning in the soul of Jesus and that it's very flash. Sickness has to die and sin has to flee. There's something about the quickening power of God that when it strikes you it changes you forever. There is something about the power of God that not only comes into your soulish realm, that comes into your spirit at the new birth, but it will get into your soulish realm and it will begin to quicken your soulish realm. Why? Because he cares as much about your soul and your body as he does your spirit. This young lady, this young lady that was dealing with this cacos, in Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 22, Jesus healed that young lady. If you're in this room and you're dealing with mental issues, you're dealing with confusion and you say, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand what's happening in my mind. My mind is not as clear as it used to be. You say, that's just age. We, age, age can only go so far when you have faith in God. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of excuses. I'm tired of allowing the devil to come in and darken our lives with his power because we've got a bunch of excuses. Well, that's better. That's, I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting on that right there. But I guess if you've used that excuse, that's all right. If you want to live that way, I don't want to live that way. The Bible said Moses was 120 and he climbed a mountain. And the Bible says his natural fourth force was not abated nor had his eye grown dim at 120 years old he had the same vim vigor and vitality as he had when he was 20 and 30 years old why because he was the man of God and so are you and we ought not to give in to it well you know mama had it and daddy had it and I guess I'm going to get it listen I got a new daddy I got a new DNA I got a new father and he don't wear contacts and he don't need glasses I got a new daddy and he is the center and circumference of life and he quickens our mortal bodies he quickens our mortal bodies he renews come on Psalm 120 he renews our youth like the eagles he renews us he don't wear us out he renews us when Jesus showed up he did that for people the next one is the word mastagos. 
The word mastagos is where we get the word whipping or scourging in the New Testament. It's a sickness that comes upon you and repeatedly strikes you over and over and over again. Have you ever had something that you just couldn't get over? You take the medicine or whatever the doctor prescribes and all of a sudden you move and, you're, and you, you begin to say, well, I think, it's, I think I'm done with that. I think it's over. And then boom, it hits you again. And you go through the whole process all over again. And you come to this point where you say, I think I'm well. I think I'm good. Only to turn it around and boom, it hits you again. You got something that you can't get rid of in your life. It's the word mastagos. And Jesus showed up and he healed that mastagos. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 34, the woman with the issue of blood. Does anybody know anything about the woman with the issue of blood? The woman with the issue of blood had a flow of blood for how many years? 12 years. 12 years. Come on, ladies. One week's too long. For any man in this building, one week's too long. I mean, for any woman in this building, one week is too long. <laughs> we can't go down that road. No, I'm not going there. No. <laughs> She's probably watching. I'm about to get a text. <laughs> Could you imagine that woman, she had a flow of blood from her body every day for 12 years. The Bible says that she went to many physicians. She suffered many things from many physicians, was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Could you imagine this woman starts out, number one, there's nothing said to her, uh, concerning her husband. There's nothing said concerning her children. It is just this woman she is all by herself and in the middle of being all by herself she is plagued with this mastagos this thing that repeatedly strikes her she goes to one doctor and the doctor might seem to have a cure for her but then in the end the blood just keeps flowing she's bled literally for 12 years of blood Literally for 12 years, the Bible says that she suffered many things of many physicians and was none bettered. Not one doctor helped her one bit. So not only is she wasting away in life, but now the scripture says her finances have wasted away. She was nothing bettered but grew worse. When she had spent all she had, the scripture says. There is nothing, there is nothing like having a terminal illness to begin with. The other thing to compound the trouble of having a terrible sickness and disease is to be broke on top of being sick. Any hope that you thought you might have of some doctor that you hear that could help you is all gone because you couldn't pay him now if you wanted to. And Jesus shows up. In the middle of this woman having this terrible, terrible problem, this mastagos, a constant flow of blood for 12 years, she heard of Jesus and she came in the press behind him and she reached out and touched the hem of his garment. And the moment she touched him, the Bible said she knew in her body immediately that she was healed of that 
plague. The word plague is the word mastagos. This thing just kept striking her, just like someone whipping a, a, a slave. Uh, have them tied down to a whipping post, and they take the whip, and they keep striking. That's what's happening to this woman's body in Matthew chapter 5. She is being whipped, stricken over and over and over again. And Jesus showed up and said, it's time for this plague to be done. It's time for this mastagos to be healed. And the Bible said that Jesus said to that woman, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go and be healed of your plague. Tonight, if you've got a fungus, if you've got an issue, if you've got something on the inside of you that has plagued you, and just when you think it's over and it keeps coming back, your faith can heal you tonight just like that woman with the issue of blood's faith healed her that day in the presence of Jesus. Whoa! Hallelujah! In other words, we ought to walk out of this room healed. The last one that Jesus healed is the word Erastus. Help me now. Erastus. Someone so physically ill that they have lost all consciousness. It means that they are so sick that they have gone into a coma. Jesus healed people who were in comas. Literally, I'm not talking about last year, even though I'm sure he did. I'm talking about 2,000 years ago. There were people so sick that they brought them to Jesus, and Jesus brought them out of that coma, instantly healed. How do we know that? We know that because in Mark chapter 16, verse number 18, the Bible says that you shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. And what is amazing to me is that of all the words that Jesus could have used when he said the word sick, he said, you shall lay hands on the arostos. He said, you're going to lay hands on people that are in comas and you're going to bring them out. That's the great commission. The question is, why aren't you doing it? It's the great commission. It's the great commission. Why are we not doing it? That same revival that I was talking about in Rapid City, South Dakota, we had a, one, of the great, one of the great things besides the man, you know, 54 weeks. There's a lot going on in 54 weeks in a revival meeting. The, the man with the AIDS obviously got healed, and there were others that had, that had HIV. They were HIV positive, AIDS positive. They, they all got healed. But one of the things, one of the significant things that happened over and over and over again in the revival meeting was we would take prayer cloths and we would send them around the country to people because of this word, because of what I knew in Mark chapter 16, we would take prayer cloths and we would send them to people that were in ICU and they were in the hospitals and they were in comas. And the moment that the prayer cloth with the anointing on it would touch the bodies of the people that were in comas, they would come out of their comas. As a matter of fact, there was a young man that was in a coma in the city, in Rapid City. I couldn't go to the hospital the next day, but some folks said, we're, we're going to the hospital. Would you pray for this cloth? I prayed for the cloth, anointed it with oil, sent it with them. They went in. They went into the young man's room. He's in a coma. They walked in and they laid the anointing, the, the, the anointed prayer cloth on top of the young man. His name is Robert. When they touched him, they said, Robert, be healed. Robert's eyes popped open. Boop. The next night, he came to the revival and led worship. You don't have to clap. I mean, I'm not trying to get you to believe anything. I'm telling you what happened. Whether you believe it or not, that's your deal. 
he came the next night and led worship my wife and I he's a youth pastor down in Texas we've been down a couple of times and preached for him and he gets up and tells the story part of his testimony is I was in a coma I was dying because I had OD'd on drugs I had gone into a coma in the hospital I was dying and they laid a prayer cloth on me that had the anointing on it and it brought me out of that thing that's what this word is and that's what Jesus used in Matthew in Mark chapter 16 in the Great Commission you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover he said you're gonna lay hands on people that are so sick that they are actually in comas so if you can get so far down the line that you got enough power that you can bring people out of comas you can certainly take care of Mastagos and all the others Jesus healed these kind of people. Mark chapter 6 and verse 5. This is an amazing scripture to me. Mark chapter 6 and verse 5. Jesus went to his own town of, of Nazareth, and he there marveled at their unbelief. He could there do no mighty works, save he laid hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Y'all with me? Mark chapter 6. He marveled at their unbelief. He could not do mighty works there, so he laid hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And the word sick in Mark chapter 6 and verse 5 is the word arastos. Jesus actually found people that were in comas, probably because they were the only ones that could not doubt him. Because he marveled at their unbelief. The people that were in the meeting, he marveled at their unbelief. He could not do mighty works for the people that were hearing him because they were resisting him through unbelief. So he found some sick folks and he laid hands on them and they were in comas. Jesus was an amazing, absolutely amazing minister. Actually, he was probably the greatest one that's ever lived. <laughs> But we say all that to say this. In Romans chapter 8 and verse number 26, the Bible says, But likewise the Spirit helps our infirmities. The Spirit helps. Holy Spirit, our helper. Say helper. helper. He helps our infirmities. The word infirmities that is used there as Phineos, he is actually saying that in the Spirit, if you do not rely on the Holy Ghost every day of your life, you are an Arostos case. You are a comatose case. I'm not, I'm not connecting with you, I can tell right now. If you don't listen to the Holy Ghost, likewise the Spirit helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. The Holy Spirit makes intercession through us. What Paul is saying, because he uses that word, asthenios, he says, your infirmity if you don't obey the Holy Ghost, if you're not led and sensitive to the Holy Ghost in your life, you are a Rostos. You're walking around in a coma in life. You're not affecting anybody else's life. People are all around you, but you're in your own state. Totally unaffecting anybody else. But if the Holy Ghost had his way, he would have you ministering to people all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you don't obey the Holy Ghost and if you're not sensitive to the Holy Ghost every day of your life, you are experiencing a mastagos. Life is beating you up every day. There is a plague on you every day of your life. You're a Christian, you're going to heaven, but you're plagued. 
and don't talk to me, and I'm sure you don't, you don't have any argument when it comes to Pastor Karen because we've been in ministry too long to know that people can come to church, they can have good church attendance, they can even pray in tongues. That learned tongue that we have and still not fully yield to God, and their lives are a wreck. There's one wave after the next that hits them. It's just like somebody's whipping them, and they are. It is the devil. Why? Because they are not sensitive to the Holy Ghost. They are experiencing the mastigos of the enemy every day of their lives. Every day of their lives. Not only that, but we see this all the time. They are walking around cacos, mentally ill, confused in their mind. Everything that happens to them. They're talking about, why did this happen to me? Oh, my God. I don't know why God did They're just confused. Everything that happens to them, they're just walking around going, I don't know why that happened. I just can't figure it out. My mind is just so confused. I'm just so, my mind, I just can't. It's because you're not obeying the Holy Ghost. Because he'll lead you into all truth. Am I connecting with you yet? Do you understand what I'm saying? If you, don't, if you don't trust the help of the Holy Ghost, you're going to be every one of these. This is what Paul is saying. He helps our infirmities. What if you don't let him help your infirmities? Then that means you get to carry them around. Yeah, that's exactly what you will become. Well, are you saying I'm going to get a disease? No, I'm saying in the spirit realm, this is exactly how you're going to act. You're going to act just like you've got a disease. And everybody you get around... You might infect them. Definitely, you act like you got a malachia on. You got this disease that has affected your muscles. Because when you don't obey God and you're not walking sensitive to the Holy Ghost, your walk is hindered. Your life is hindered. Your reaching out to others are hindered. Everything in your life, everything in life is crippled. The Holy Ghost is the empowerment of the church to do what Jesus has called us to do. But if we don't trust him, we're hindered. We are crippled. Did you ever notice that when Jesus went to that man that was laid by the, by the pool of Bethesda? The Bible says that the man, the scripture is very clear, the man had a, had a clear mind. I've been laying out here on this bat. I've been laying out here under this porch. I've been trying to get in that water when the angel moved the water. But everybody else gets down in front of me. When you, when you read the story, you realize the man's head is perfectly intact. It is perfectly sound. The problem is the Bible said that he was crippled. He was a paralytic. His head was fine. His body wasn't moving. His body was not responding to the commands of his head. It's a perfect picture of Malachion. It is a perfect picture of the church when the head is sending signals, but we are not sensitive to the messenger, Holy Spirit, and we are paralyzed, we are crippled, and we are not obeying God. There's nothing wrong with the head. He's saying, go do it. Go do it. But we're saying, I can't do it. I can't move. I can't move. I can't move. Why? Because we're not sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Because with every word from God, there's enough power contained in that word to bring that word to pass. And finally, on this part, we are definitely, if we do not trust the Holy Ghost, we are definitely a gnosis. Do you remember what gnosis means? It is a terminal condition for which there is no help. There is no help that is given to the church apart from the Holy Ghost. In other words, if the church of God, if the church of the living God does not learn how to depend upon Holy Spirit, there's no other help for us. 
You can lean on pastor all you want, but there's only so far a pastor can help you go. You can lean on a ministry team as as long as you want, but they can only carry you so far. They can be there. They can help you. The small group is wonderful, but until you learn how to walk and until you learn how to hear from God and until you learn how to feed yourself, come on. I'm tired of hearing talk about people leaving the church because, because, you know, I'm not getting fed. It's ridiculous. When my child was four months old, she was trying to feed herself. It was messy, but she was after it. She was going for it. And we got people that are 50 years old complaining about somebody else not spoon-feeding them. It's a terminal condition until you learn, until you come to the conclusion, I'm not going to be a baby for the rest of my life. I'm not going to be immature for the rest. Oh, I'm preaching right tonight. I'm not going to be that way for the rest of my life. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to take my pampers off. Mommy, wow, I'm a big kid now. I'm going to take the passy out of my mouth. And I'm not going to come to church saying, I hope pastor has a good word for me today. I hope somebody calls me out. I'm just about, I'm about to throw in the towel. I'm about to quit church and give up on God. I hope somebody has a prophetic word. I appreciate prophetic words. I despise not prophesying. But if all, if what you need in life is a prophetic word to keep you going, you need to grow up. You need to grow up in the faith. You need to learn the Bible. You need to go home, open the Bible, and read it until you believe it. That's what you need to do. I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds upsetting to some people but you just have to do it you need to grow up it's my last night it's my last night it's my last night if you don't have the Holy Ghost you're a terminal case you're a spiritual cripple you're confused when you pray and when you go to church and when you go to work you're just confused you're continually being beat up by problems I mean come on even a, even a young Christian needs to have victories in his life that he can testify about. But we have people that have been serving the Lord for 50 years and they get beat up by every problem that life throws at them. And we go, what in the world is going on? I'll tell you what in the world's going on. They're not sensitive to the Holy Ghost because he will lead them out of those issues. He will lead them around if they will listen to him. And then you find yourself in a comatose state you find yourself in a coma where nothing moves you anymore we get to a place where we come to church and the Holy Ghost can move and you're stiff as a board you'll go home you'll even look at nasty stuff on the internet and you're still in a coma it don't bother you the holy doesn't move you and the unholy don't move you you're in a coma well, what's the, what's the remedy? The remedy is the help of the Holy Ghost. Ask the Lord to reign on your hard ground until it becomes pliable in the hand of the Master so that He can massage life back into you again so that the thing that's unholy does move you. It moves you toward holiness and the holy things move you toward a greater depth of holiness. That's what is necessary in the life of the person that is in a coma. Let me close with this, the next few slides. When the scripture says here that Holy Spirit is our helper, say helper. helper. Holy Spirit is our helper. Let's go. That it means this. The word helper in the Greek language is actually not 
one word. It is actually three words. Only Holy Spirit could do this. It's only used two times in the whole Bible. Only Holy Spirit could do this. When it comes to defining what the help of the Holy Ghost is, he says one word don't do it. Two words can't do it. You got to take three words and squeeze them all together. So Holy Spirit is our helper. Let's go. The first word is the word soon. Say soon. S-U-N. Brother, that looks like sun to me. We're talking Greek. Yeah. The word soon or S-U-N is, it denotes Holy Spirit's position. What is his position? He's come alongside to partner with you and to cooperate with you. So that's the first thing. When the scripture says the Holy Spirit is our helper, it means he's our partner. He's come to cooperate with us. That's good news. That's where he is. That's his position. His position is he is partnering with us. Look at the next part. Soon anti. Everybody goes, I know what anti means. Anti crowd. Listen, anti is more. Anti is more than just being against something. The word anti in the Greek language, it literally refers more to an attitude than it does a position. So anybody can have the position of being against something. But here, the word anti is referring to the attitude that is against something, which means rage, danger, or dangerous, or violent. So soon, Holy Spirit comes to us, and his position is, I'm going to partner with you, and I've got an attitude. Next slide. Lombano, say Lombano. Soon, anti Lombano. The word Lombano denotes the Holy Spirit's desire, and it literally means to forcibly seize something. I've spent quite a few days in New York City ministering and things like that, and even while I was there, I saw a purse snatcher. Has anyone, not on TV, but have you ever in real life seen a purse snatcher? Anybody ever seen one? You've actually seen it. It is a forcible thing. I saw the woman walking down the street, and the man comes up, grabs the purse strap, and shoves the woman onto the ground and runs. The word lambano is what would be used to talk about that purse snatching. The man did not just sashay up to the woman and say, I think I'm going to take your purse now if you don't mind, and then just sashay back on his way. No, he runs upon the woman, and he forcibly takes that thing from her, and he throws her down, and then he runs off in a hurry. That's the word lambano, and that's the... That's the desire of the Holy Ghost. So let's go to the next slide. So what it means is this. Holy Spirit has come to partner with you. Keep going. He's come to partner with you. And when he comes to partner with you, he has an attitude against that weakness, that mastagos, that arostos in your life. He's come against that malachion. He's come against that infirmity in your life. So when he comes, when he comes to partner with you, he's coming to partner with you because he's got an attitude. When he sees that sickness and that disease and that infirmity in your life, it makes him mad. It makes him mad. So he comes with this attitude against this weakness or this infirmity in your life. Number the next one. And when he comes, his plan is to help you take hold of that thing and forcibly remove it from your life for good. Listen, if you're in this room, um, Minister Mike talked about homosexuality. Homosexuality falls in in this category. It, It falls in, it falls into this thing of cacos. Mentally confusion, mentally ill, being vexed by something. Holy Spirit comes. 
His desire is this. His desire is this. When I look at you, God made you man or he made you woman. Man is made for woman. Woman is made for man. Not man made for man and not woman made for woman. So when he comes into your life, he comes with an attitude and he says, that thing will not produce in you, read Romans 1, that thing will not produce in you that which is holy and just in the eyes of God. So when Holy Spirit comes, he comes with an attitude, not against you, against the thing. Holy Spirit loves you enough that he comes at you with an attitude. He comes to you with an attitude to take hold together with you against that thing and get it out of your life. What I'm saying to you tonight is this, on Holy Ghost 9, you can leave out of this room totally healed and delivered of anything that has ever bothered you in your life that is the real position of holy spirit being our helper tonight in the holy ghost there is enough power there is enough help for you that when you leave this room you never listen this is it he wants to forcibly remove it from your life for good not temporarily not until next week not until next month but when it's gone honey it is gone forever this would be the time i'd call my wife up and talk and have her tell you about her child molestation that she went through from people in her family but the scripture says i will wipe even the memory from you and my wife will tell you that happened 20 years ago and she don't even have the memory of it anymore why when holy spirit comes in to help and he forcibly removed that thing from her he did it for good Come on, have you ever been healed and you know, I don't care if I live another 80 years, I'll never deal with that thing in my life because the Holy Ghost plucked it up by the roots and delivered me fully from that thing. I know, I know. We have a student body at, our, at RSM at our school back home in Alabama. And I, I've seen way too many young men and young women delivered from homosexual thoughts, from bisexual thoughts. In an instant, they are delivered. And now they testify. Some of them, even one of them is the director of our school and addicted to pornography, doing all kinds of things, suicidal thoughts, all of that kind of stuff. But when the Holy Ghost touched him, when the Holy Ghost changed him, it didn't take six weeks. It didn't take a 12-step program. All he had to do was walk down to the altar and he met the omnipresent God and he met the all-powerful God and God wiped that thing out of him and he's never looked back since. And his testimony is I was addicted to pornography when I went to the altar that night but it's been 16 or 17 years and I've never looked at another pornographic image and I don't want to. I don't have a desire to. Why? Because the plan of the Holy Ghost is to take hold of that thing and remove it from your life so that you never have to deal with it again. Never again. Never again. Could you imagine freedom Freedom is being totally delivered. Freedom is not the space of time between you falling into the thing again. Well, you know, I was free for, for three or four days. That's not what I'm talking about. 
here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, Paul is saying that when the Holy Ghost comes and makes you free, he can make you free in your life for good. It can be over. It can be the final time you ever deal with those things in your life. Now, I know that I've gone long, Pastor Karen, but uh, what do we need to do? Okay. Yep. We're definitely going to pray. So you want to come do the offering now? Y'all give big. <laughs> no, really. No, really. One of the things I, that we have been so impacted by in their ministry is the word. And faith comes by hearing. And they are sowing seed and uh, equipping young people all over the place with the word so that they can live right and follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. So I want to encourage you. Let's sow seed into that tonight. Raise your hand up if you need an envelope. You can also do the, the online. <laughs> I'm going to get it one day. Text to give. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I don't. We'll just continue with our worship here. I'll take one of those. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray, and then I want to give the microphone back to Jason. Lord, it's our great privilege. It's our great privilege to sow seed into this family, into the ministry, God, that they have. Touching nations, oh God. Equipping people. Bringing revelation in your word. God, it's our great privilege, and so God, we ask, Lord, multiply, bless the Adairs and all that they put their hands to, and I thank you for using them to impact the nations, oh God, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Go ahead. on after you give just lift your hands up right there we are just worship the lord a moment oh just focus in on him zero in on him right there look at his face look at him jesus you are the healer you are the deliverer you've sent to us the holy ghost and he is our helper and he is here tonight, and he's come to partner with us. He's got an attitude the same as we do. Lord, we hate sin. We hate infirmities. We hate sickness and disease that mars the image of God in humanity. We hate AIDS. We hate HIV. We hate cancer because we realize they're works of the enemy. We hate those diseases, those and all the others that were born out of man's rebellion and sin in the garden. We hate those things. We have an attitude against them because Jesus, your back was beaten and bloodied and ripped open 
so that we could claim Isaiah 53 and 5 that with your stripes we are healed your back and the condition of your back in that whipping proves to us your hatred of sickness and disease and your willingness to carry them to the cross and bury them in the tomb so that we could be free of them. Jesus, thank you. Come on, stand up, everyone, everyone that can. I want you to stand. Just reverence him right there. No talking unless you're talking to the Lord. I sense the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus, for the price you've paid. Thank you for bearing our sin in your body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. Tonight, Lord, healing is the children's bread and here we are children of god assembled together on this holy ghost night to celebrate the great victory that you won over sickness over sin and over death and even now i thank you for the quickening power of the holy ghost Holy Spirit, I say unto you tonight that you have free course to come into our lives and move and rearrange, remove, fix whatever it is in our lives that needs the adjustment of the Holy Ghost. Come, come Holy Spirit and do that that we need you to do in our lives tonight in Jesus name here's the only thing I know to do and that is this if any part of this sermon tonight affected you you looked at that you looked at the screen and you say that's me I need the help of the Holy Ghost I want you to move into the aisle I want you to just come meet me at the front tonight you say that spoke to me any part of the sermon that spoke to you and you say I have a weakness I have an infirmity and I saw it on that screen tonight and I believe God tonight to come by the power of the Holy Ghost and remove that infirmity from my life. Now it's different when you get down front. I need you to hear me say this. It's different. I'm not driving this thing. Holy Spirit is personally present right there with you. He's come to partner with you soon he has come to partner with you in your life if you're born again he lives right on the inside of you so it's not me driving some gift to you and casting something out of you it is holy spirit right now meeting you in the altar where you stand it's him meeting you right there where you stand so come on lift your hands up to him I may come through and I may touch your forehead in agreement with the work of the Holy Ghost. That doesn't mean I'm trying to put anything on you. This is you and Him right now. This is you and Holy Spirit right now. You need to find Him. You need to find Him right there where you are. You need to find His healing power right there where you are. You need to find Him. You need to find Him. 
Some of you are way too passive. I can tell by the look on your face. You just want something sovereign to happen to you, and you have to press in. He is the helper. He is going to help you, but you have to present yourself to him. Holy Spirit, here we are. We say out of our mouth what we know in our heart. You are the vine. We are the branch. Apart from you, we can do nothing. We can do nothing apart from you. We must have your help tonight. If we could have healed ourselves, we would have already done it. If we could have delivered ourselves, we would have already done it. But tonight we present ourselves a living sacrifice to you, Holy Spirit. Come, quicken our mortal bodies. Come, drive this thing out. Forcibly remove this infirmity and this weakness from our lives now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There's minds being clear right there. I sense the Holy Ghost doing that. There are minds that are being cleared up. That, that thing in your mind, the, there's clarity coming to your mind right now in Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Lord. Where are the diabetics? Wave your hand at me. Where are the diabetics? How many of you? Come on, wave your hand if you're diabetic. All right. Mike, come help me, guys. If there's some helpers, come help me. This guy, I think that lady there is waving her hand. Just lay hands on him. Just lay hands on him. Lord, we receive in Jesus' name. We receive in Jesus' name. We receive healing. Pancreas, be quickened by the power of God. Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. We'll do our part. We're, we're laborers together with you, Lord. We'll do our part. But thank you for quickening us by your Spirit now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Who is it that your mind was, was cloudy, but now your mind is clear? Who is that? You can already tell. Wave your hand at me. I want to know who you are. Is there anybody that that's you? Anybody? I'm just looking. <laughs> Lord, thank you for quickening the soulish realm. Wherever the infirmity is, if it's a sickness or a disease in your body, come on, lay hands on it right now. Lay hands on yourself. Lord, I come into an agreement with them. In Jesus' name, every sickness and every disease you healed among the people. Come, Holy Spirit, and do that quicken mortal bodies even now. Ooh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We receive, we receive your hearing. Your healing. We receive miracle working power even now, Jesus. We receive that by the power and the person of the Holy Ghost. From the top of our head to the bottoms of our feet, Lord, we're believing you for miracles our brains to be quickened and healthy by the power of God our eyes to be quickened by the power of God let sight come quicken our eyes give life to our eyes and heal those things that are causing vision impairments all the nerves everything on the inside of our eyes we're believing you Lord even for our sinuses 
for our respiratory system, for our noses, our mouths, our teeth, our tongues. Lord, quicken us. Everything to do with our head, we're asking you to quicken it. Quicken our bodies. Let us be the church that is alive and healthy in the earth. A sign and a wonder to the nations. Lord, our throat, everything to do with our throat, the vertebrae in the back of our head, our skull, everything, Lord. Let healing power come to our entire body from the top of our head all the way down. Lord, even into our chest, our internal organs, our bones, our rib cages. Let them be strong and healthy. A good report brings health and strength to our bones, Lord. Quicken hearts tonight. Heart ailments, heart problems. Be quickened by the power of God and healed now in Jesus' name. Lord, our lungs, we rebuke asthma and we rebuke breathing problems and sinus issues in Jesus' name. And we say we receive healing for our bodies. For our colons, our intestines, our pancreas, all of our internal organs, we say we are quickened by the power of God. Let healing flow into the body tonight in Jesus' name. Even our private organs, Lord, let them be quickened by the power of God that no female issues, no male issues that we live our days in health. We live our days and we number our days and we do it healthily. We do it in health. We do it in the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we declare that hip problems and joint issues are healed in Jesus' name. That our ligaments, our thighs respond to the word of the Lord. And we are quickened. Our knees are not wearing out. Our, our knees and the cartilage in our knees are not leaving. But we are being healed even now by the power of the Holy Ghost. All the way down through our calf muscles to our ankles. We declare our ankles are strong. The river of God that Ezekiel saw, Lord, it went up to his ankles. It's a healing river, and it went to his ankles. We receive healing in our ankles tonight in Jesus' name. All the way down to our feet, all the bones in our feet, we declare that feet problems are healed. We're delivered from them tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you that you heal the things that concern us. I just sense healing right now, church. Do you sense it? Do you sense it? I mean, some of you just need to act. Faith without works is dead. You need to act like you believe God's done something in your life tonight. You need to move parts of your body that were hurting and that were infirm when you come in, when you came into the room. You need to move right now. That's, I'm, I'm telling you, you need to move. You need to do something. You need to jump up and down. You need to move that part of your body. You need to check yourself. You need to do that. Lord, I declare that we are a cancer-free people. That those rebellious cells of cancer do not come into our body because we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are in union with the Godhead and we do not allow those things to come into our bodies. I come against in the name of Jesus, in the authority of that name. I come against lumps and bumps and growths. I come against moles that shouldn't be on our bodies. I come against those things. I come against warts in Jesus' name. We are to be the people of God that are sound and healthy and whole without those things on us. 
No skin issues. No psoriasis. None of those things. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Come on, lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. And say, Lord Jesus, because I belong to you and you're my master, you have redeemed me from every curse of the law. The curse has been removed and the blessing of Abraham has come upon me. No sickness, no disease, no, di no infirmity belongs in my body. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and the temple of the Holy Ghost should be healthy it should be vibrant and that's who I am and that's what I am because of the power of the Holy Ghost come on now lift up your other hand and give him thanks tonight worship him and thank him worship him and thank him worship him worship him I don't come and consume God only. Oh, we yeah. worship you. We Jesus. give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. Hallelujah. We want you. We come and consume God only. Oh, we give you permission. Our hearts are yours. We want you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you've done here tonight and what you're going to continue to do in the days and weeks and months ahead. We trust you. We trust your leadership. We bless you. We praise you, God, for your healing. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We bless you. Come on, just take the hand of the person next to you as we close tonight. Lord, I thank you for your people. Lord, for your church, for your bride. And God, I ask that you would bless them, that you would keep them. God, cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace in your most awesome name, the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, God bless you tonight, and uh, we'll see you this weekend. Amen.